What is up, everybody? My name is Brandon First, aka First Report, representing the ESBC Gambling Podcast Network. It is Sunday, July 12th. We are officially 11 days from the first day of baseball, at least those two games on Thursday night, and, and 12 days away from fully getting uh, that full opening day, which will be that Friday. And uh, we're getting closer to baseball season. We're getting closer to all sports, really. Baseball will, of course, be the first. Um, at least, I mean, obviously, MLS is going on. But in terms of the four major sports, baseball will have the stage themselves for about a week. And then uh, major uh, NBA and NHL will get into their um, finish of the season in the NBA's terms. And then and NHL will get into their kind of weird qualifier slash round robin and then into the Stanley Cup playoffs so after three months of pretty much no sports um you can maybe find um other sports in other countries or uh maybe certain soccer matches or, or uh, i've been watching a lot of korean baseball and horse racing myself but in terms of the the four sports and the, and the sports that we talk about on this podcast we've been waiting there's there's really been nothing um not necessarily nothing to talk about because there's always something to talk about there are always value and there's always things that are changing that value uh throughout the day or throughout the year um but it was mainly obviously no lines there's no actual tangible lines to talk about it was a lot of very hypotheticals and uh, up until about two or three weeks ago at least baseball we didn't really know what we were getting if we were getting anything at all so today i'm gonna take a couple looks at things uh, mainly focus on the schedule uh that of course did drop uh, this past week, and we're going to be looking at some futures bets um, for baseball. Unfortunately, I was kind of hoping to get an early look at some opening day lines, but after about a half hour of searching, nobody's really put out any opening day lines outside of the um, Yankees and Nationals. So I've decided that next week, which will be pretty much the um, final off-season podcast, if you will, that's where hopefully we'll have some game lines and we will begin to send you um, some picks so that we can get you ready to start making money watching sports. And if you don't want to wait another 11 days, um, check out my Twitter, at First Report, and uh, every Saturday on our uh, the ESBC ecosystemsbusinessconcierge.com page and uh, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you find us streaming our video, we will be doing a live stream. Um, been very good at Del Mar, uh, betting online, watching TVG, uh, handicapping through the form, uh, two days up, two days down with profit yesterday, uh, Saturday, seven, uh, July 11th. We had about a four and a half hour live stream uh, going through everything you need to know um, when it comes to horse racing. And not only did we teach you that, we won money. We uh, up $30 back-to-back days. Um, so that's key. Betting's a little different in horse racing than it is um, when it comes to other, you know, the sports. We talk about the 52.5% per, 52 is break-even. Horse racing's a little different. I encourage you, please, to go listen to that podcast. If you're able to actually watch the live stream, it's actually a lot better. Um, a lot of... Um, screen sharing and stuff like that that will make it very easy uh, for you and if uh, you also need some more insight this Tuesday begins the uh, pretty much eight week uh, horse racing show at Del Mar that um, me and Raider Jim are going to be a part of uh, Raider Jim I've 
in only what the last nine months of really working with him and collaborating with him, I've learned so much. It's uh, absolutely incredible, especially when it comes to handicapping horse racing. That was something that I grew up, uh, I grew up at the track pretty much with my dad uh, at Del Mar. That was our thing in the summer. And as much as I love my late father, it was, it was a lot of, um, it wasn't the most scientific handicapping I've ever been taught and it, it worked, but it's nice now to kind of have Raider Jim as um, my mentor and for that to help me in my handicapping. And as I stated on the podcast yesterday, a lot of what me personally, what my handicapping is, is being in the paddock and actually seeing the horses, visualizing the horse, or not visualizing, uh, focusing on the horses, watching their demeanor. That is impossible in this situation. Um, TVG does their best to show the horses in the paddock, but they have about eight or nine track that they're following. So they'll show the Delmar pad, uh, the, they'll look inside the Delmar paddock for about, you know, two or three horses but not really the horses that I need, that I want to see all the way around and the demeanor. So a lot of my handicapping is gone being away from the track, but we're still making money. So that is a great sign. So like I said, if, if, if you don't want to wait for another 12 days until we give you picks in terms of uh, Major League Baseball, and then a week later, it will be, of course, NBA basketball. If you don't want to wait that long, tune in um, on Saturday, this coming Saturday. It will be the, what is that, 18th? July 18th, we will have a live stream up and uh, we'll have a chance for y'all to make money. But it is Sunday and I've talked enough about anything that is not baseball related. So baseball has become, or Sunday, I'm sorry, has become baseball day here at the ESBC Betting Podcast Network. It's, we're getting so close. I, I can feel it, I can taste it. There are obviously situations um, that we do need to talk about. There are players that won't be involved. Um, the most notable, or at least the latest, has been catcher Buster Posey. He, him and his wife um, are adopting two twins, or I'm sorry, a set of twins. And um, unfortunately, the twins came prematurely. Um, all accounts, thank God, they are doing well. But of course, it's not going to be easy from here on out. Um, they are in the NICU, which I believe is um, nursery ICU, but they're in the ICU, the, the babies are. So Buster Posey made the very tough choice. I mean, really, I don't think it, and I'll get to it here in a minute, but the, he made the choice of having to opt out for this season, obviously, to not put those babies in jeopardy and um, really allow those, when those babies do come home, not being, you know, six weeks or two months away uh, from those babies when they're first coming home while you're either quarantining yourself or just playing baseball. I think that was a situation. I, I know it's difficult. I know it had to be difficult for Buster Posey myself. I've never been a, a parent, but I can only imagine how tough that is. Um, you don't want to put a loved one at risk, uh, let alone infants. So while I think personally, if it was just Buster Posey, if Buster Posey was a golfer, if he was a tennis player, um, where it's kind of that singular, like you're the one who, who does it, you don't, you have a team behind the scenes, but not really in front of it. Uh, I think it would have been a lot easier for him to make that choice. But since he does have the team um, that is relying on him and the fans that want to see him play. Now, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I would say about 99.9% .9 of people have taken this with, 
applauds and or have applauded this decision and not really been cynical or this or that. There are, of course, you go on social media, anything, you will find um, some really, really bad takes. And the one thing I've really seen is a lot of fans believe, maybe not a lot of fans, but more than should, or more fans than should, really truly believe that Buster Posey owes it to us and, and the fans and the Giants fans and the baseball fans to play because it's been three months and we need a distraction and we need Buster. No. Okay, baseball players don't owe us anything. They, they can give us stuff and, and we, they can give us tons of entertainment, but it's not owed to us. It's a privilege to have these players, um, to be able to watch these players. I think if you honestly believe for any reason, even if Buster Posey didn't have any um, uh, little babies at home or if it was just something else, you can't sit here and judge someone else's uh, decision when you have no idea what's going on. I think that's, that's what gets lost in sports. We look at these athletes um, as, you know, hero or godlike almost, and we see them for three hours, three and a half hours uh, during that game. And then they're kind of gone until the next time we see them. But they're not gone. They're human beings. They live their lives. They, they have quirks. They have family. They have things that uh, weigh on them. They're human beings. They're, they're very talented athletically. But at the end of the day, they're human beings. And they need, especially in baseball, I've talked about it pretty much all offseason, you need to be incredibly sharp uh, mentally at all times, maybe not smart in terms of, you know, multiplication and, you know, all that crazy stuff. But in terms of baseball, you need to be focused every single pitch, no matter what. In football, if you're not playing hard or not playing 110%, you might get hurt. In baseball, if you're not focused in 110%, you're going to make a mistake. Uh, and it's going to be a stupid error or it's going to be one of those, why did he throw the ball there? Or why did he make that catch? There's only two outs, and then he threw the ball into the or into the into the stands because he thought there were three outs, but he's not focusing. When you have a situation, especially for Buster Posey, who's a catcher, and this goes for pretty much everybody who has um, taken the route to opt out because of health concerns. If you are not 110% focused on every pitch, every at bat, every whatever in baseball, you're not going to be good. And at the end of the day. This 60-game schedule, the stats, they're still going on the back of your baseball card. When it's time to re-up for free agency for these players, owners and GMs can look and circle that. Why? You only hit 220 in 2020. Oh, well, it was a shortened season. Yeah, but you only hit 220. Yeah, we're going to take about $4 million off that offer. And a lot of other teams are going to do that. So I look in this situation, I think Buster Posey is obviously, it's all about, you know, take care of the children or, or the kids. Um, I do think, you know, David Price, maybe he's in a situation. He's kind of a guy who starts slow. Maybe he doesn't want to take that chance of only getting 10 starts in and have an ERA north of five, five and a half. He might not want to take that chance. So we're in a situation where I feel like from the beginning of this coronavirus and COVID, whatever you want to call it, I've said, personally, I don't judge anybody how they, how they react to this. Now, if you're going around licking doorknobs and doing stuff like that and sneezing on people, yes, I am going to judge you. You're, you're a horrible human being. Um, but if, if you're scared of this and you think this is the end of the world, um, okay, that is your right, and I, I respect it. 
personally, I don't agree with it, but I can't tell you how to feel. And conversely, the people that don't think this is a big deal and, and pretty much up, stopping short of sneezing on people, maybe walking around defiantly of the masks or you know, other things for whatever reason. Okay, that's fine. I'll wear a mask um, to, to pr protect myself and my household. But when we get into a situation now where we're, we're talking about coronavirus and everyone seems to think that A, they know the answer, which I don't even think the experts truly know the answer at this moment. I think five years from now, we might look back and go, wow, that was in, remember when we believed that or remember when we believed that or remember what we believed that. I mean, it changes every single day. Um, the World Health Organization is, is, is the craziest yo-yo you'll ever see. But in this situation, no one can tell you how to feel. And it goes into baseball as well. I can't sit here and tell David Price, hey, I need you to play. I mean, personally, I don't want him to because he's a, he's, a, he's a Dodger. And I think it, it makes it a little bit easier for the Padres to compete in that division. I don't think it's enough for them to win that division. But still, you know, not having David Price out there, that's nice. But... In these situations, it's, it's up to the player, and more importantly, it's up to the human being. And at the end of the day, that's what these players are, human beings. They have lives, they have families, they have fears, um, they have anxieties, they have quirks, just like the rest of us. And hey, some of us aren't ever going to, well, most of us aren't ever going to get to that plateau, but I think a lot of us can relate to some of the things that these men are dealing with. Uh, myself personally, I've had to maybe, um, I, I haven't seen a lot of my friends. I really think the only person I've seen is my, uh, my mom, my stepdad, my brother, and, and my girlfriend, other than my household. Um, and even before then, we took steps to make sure that that was okay. So those situations, that's, that's hard enough for me, let alone a Buster Posey or a, or a, um, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who also has this, but there are other um, ones who would have to be away from their family and, and newborns and stuff like that. That's tough, especially newborns. That's, you don't want to miss the first two months of, you know, the uh, very impressionable time. You don't want, you know, Uncle Steve to first two months to be like, huh, maybe that's my dad. But anyways, let's move on to the betting angles of the schedule dropping. Now, of course, remember the schedule is a little different this year because of uh, the lack of travel or them not wanting to travel too much. We're seeing a, I call it a, a region schedule or a, or a um, bubble schedule. I know the bubble is thrown around, thrown around everywhere these days, but you're going to only play your division and your um, corresponding division in the, the other league. So we'll start in the American League East. I think this is, or I'm sorry, American and National League East. We'll start out East. I think this is the toughest two divisions in terms of the scheduling. You have the Yankees, who I think are the best, excuse me, I think are the best team in baseball. You have the Red Sox, who could compete. Pitching staff is absolute trash, but they could put up 12 runs a game. Oh, excuse me. Um, and then we also have uh, up-and-coming teams in the American League East, like the Blue Jays. You have the Rays that are going to do something kind of crazy. They're going to have a nice little wrinkle on this 60-game season, and that will probably be an advantage for them. 
and we move to the National League East. Pretty much everybody but the Marlins you could make a very good case for is going to win that division. So, oh, and one more. I forgot about this. The Baltimore Orioles, who are kind of an afterthought at this point, uh, have offered Yasiel Puig a uh, contract, which is a little interesting to me. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think Puig's probably going to wait until the last possible moment. He's hoping that maybe a more competitive team gives him a call. This is interesting to me. Um, the Orioles are a young team, not really expected to compete, obviously. A couple years away, I would think, from competition. Puig is a good leader, but I don't think he's the leader they need. Puig is the he's the fire, uh, the fire or the lightning rod. Um, we look. The, I think the really great leaders in sports are the ones that can do both. Are the ones that can be calm, cool, and collected when you need to be, and then be really fiery when you need to be. Read the situation and be able to do both. Um, I think one of my one of the best examples of that. I, I mean. I'm going to roll my eyes when I say it, but it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady knows when it's time to be calm and cool. And he knows when it's time to go get after his wide receivers or get after his running backs. He knows when it's time to do those things. Puig, in terms of the leadership, is a one-trick pony. He is the guy who's going to overreact, which is fine in some certain situations. Excuse me. And I go back to last year. Against the uh, when he was playing with the Reds, he had been traded mid mid game, um, kind of weird. Late late July around the trade deadline, there's a lot of those type of stories where a player's traded mid mid game, and uh, we know about it before he does. But anyways, Yasiel Pui gets traded middle of the game. I believe he finds out about it. He stays in the game. He ends up they were playing the Pirates. I don't quite remember the situation of what happened, but I vividly remember Yasiel Pui pretty much wanting to take every single Pittsburgh Pirate on single-handedly. And remember, this is a guy who literally is traded. You are no longer a Cincinnati Red. You could have walked off that field during that fight, taken your clothes off, been on a plane, and nobody really would have noticed. But instead, he's there standing up, and he wants to take on the whole team. Now, that isn't exactly a leader that every single game, it's positive, but there are situations where that is good. So, while Puig is a leader, I don't think he's the leader the Orioles need. It would be interesting. I think it would make the Orioles – I mean, that would, that would make the American League East definitely the most competitive division in baseball. Um, I mean, even if Chris Davis can hit 220. If Chris Davis hits 220, he'll hit – what, 60 games? He'll hit 15 bombs, 20 bombs if he can hit 220. I don't think he can. But if that happens and Puig's there – who knows? Maybe the Orioles surprise some things, but that is a layoff. Like I said, I don't think Puig takes the deal. I think he waits a little bit longer and hopes that a National League contender comes calling um, looking for a DH. Because I do think National League teams right now financially don't want to have to pay Puig. I think they're taking these uh, this spring training 2.0 and trying to find a DH without having to go pay for Puig. Remember, like I said, this is while major league teams are not going bankrupt, they're also not ready to just go out and just throw money at guys. So I think a lot of National League teams are hoping they find their DH in this spring training 2.0, and they don't have to go find or go pay Yasiel Puig. We move to the Central. I think obviously the Central has a much much easier schedule, um, but I think 
all, both divisions are going to be a very, very tight race as there's not really um, – either division has a big-time front runner. I know the Twins are the nice favorites in the Central, um, but of all the divisional expectations, they have one of the, one of the lowest. Um, so the American League – or the Central region has three easy targets. Okay, it's Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Kansas City. Those are three well below average teams. You have to be good against those teams. The American League Central will have the advantage because the, um, the Indians, White Sox, and Twins will have 10 or 20 games combined against the Tigers and Royals. So that's probably about 12 to 15 wins right there. Um, for each of those teams, I believe whichever team has the best record against these three wins the American League Central. Um, I know that's easy to say, but those three, they have to be circled. They have to be beaten. You have to beat those easy targets, especially if you want to win the division. But conversely, because of the way the schedule set up, one of those three teams is going, maybe two, is going to go over their estimated win total um, with over under. So when we look at over under win totals and the central, I really like the Tigers with the over. Their number is only 21 and a half. Okay. They're playing uh, 19 games or 10 games against the Royals. I expect them to get six out of those and, and throw in some others. They're going to play the Pirates. I don't have it off the top of my head, but at least three games, they could win two of those. I think they're going to be much better against the Indians, a team I think they went 1-18 against last year. They'll probably get two or three wins against the Indians. And we're halfway there, and we haven't even got to the other part of the schedule. I think the Tigers are expected to be the worst team in baseball, but I look at that young pitching staff. I saw some video of uh, Matt Manning pitching. They have that catcher cam going on right now, which I don't think I could watch a whole game with catcher cam, but I would love to see some um, some strikeouts and some movement of people's pitches with uh, catcher's camp. And Matt Manning is one of them. He has a very electric fastball. Um, I, I think it's to lefties. It was kind of weird. I, I watched like eight in a row and I don't quite remember which one was Matt, Matt Manning, but he's got a very electric fastball to lefties that moves a lot. And it looks pretty much unhittable, at least from catcher cam. And you also look at uh, Tariq Skubal and um, Casey Mize. Casey Mize was a former top pick I think two years ago or last year, those three, if those guys can be below average, which would be nice for 22-year-olds, this team is going to be okay. I also look at Miguel Cabrera. While probably has one of the worst contracts in baseball um, from what he does production-wise, he's a, he's a leader. He is one of those guys, um, maybe not the fiery leader that Puig is, but he's a very cool, calm, collected leader. And because it's only a 60-game stretch – I think it actually helps him. Um, I think 162 games for Miguel, um, Miguel Cabrera is way too daunting. He's at a point in his career where if he gets out for 100 games, that'll be good. And he's got to be a DH for those. Well, it's only 60 games. I could see him having a 50, 55 game stretch where he hits 260. That might be a bit much. 240, 10 home runs, runs into a couple, maybe has some guys on base, gets a nice little RBI number. Who knows? A 21 and a half, I am taking the over on the Tigers. Um, I also told you a couple podcasts ago, it's, it's a nice little $2 bet, $3 bet. 
Put some money on the Tigers to win the Central. Plus 10,000, folks. I mean, $5 bet gets you 500, I believe. So let's, uh, let's see if there's some value there. I think it's an incredibly high long shot. But like I said, plus 50,000, that's money that we like to see. Uh, moving on in the Central, uh, let's go to the National League part of things. I'm very big on the Reds. Um, the World Series odds aren't great. They're actually plus 1,800 on Bovada, which is pretty much the same as the Braves. And as much as I like the Reds, I don't think they're on the Braves level yet, um, at least from what I've seen. Obviously, we know what the Reds could be, but we've seen what the Braves are. So there's a big difference there. Um, but I do like the Reds number to win the central at plus 250 the nl central is the only division currently um that doesn't have a heavy favorite like a negative favorite a negative money line favorite the chicago cubs are the favorite in this division i believe at plus 225 plus 220 wherever you look on bovada you can get the reds at plus 250 to win the central i think this is not a slam dunk pick because it's such a tough division because it's kind of um bogged up but I think they're better than a rookie manager in Chicago um, with the Cubs. David Ross, I think, will eventually be an okay manager. But not in a 60-game season. Not in a, a situation where half the players on this team were his teammates when they won the World Series. It's hard to kind of get that authority when they're pretty much, you know, you remember taking shots and getting wasted with these guys two years ago. Now you got to tell them how to, how to train and stuff like that. That's a, li a little bit tough for me. Obviously, we talked about the Pirates. Just not a good team. <clears throat> Um, the Cardinals, always going to be the Cardinals. They are super consistent. But the one thing with the Cardinals, they started slow last year and ended quickly, but also the sweep in the National League Championship Series when they didn't lead at all in any of those four games, that might bring them down. That might just kind of slow them down. Paul Goldschmidt needs to get off to a fast start. Last year, he was bad in April um, and to start the season. I, I bet you if you look at his first 60 games – he might have been under 200 batting average, so he has to fix that. And I don't know why. Oh, and then um, the Milwaukee Brewers. I was completely bl blanking on them. Milwaukee Brewers, I think they definitely have a chance to take down the Reds, but I think the Reds have the best lineup and the best pitching rotation. The fielding, uh, it's a bit so-so. Um, I think you get Eugenio Suarez in the DH role. I think that helps. The ballpark will be a bit of an issue. It's kind of... Uh, Coors Field um, a bit. Obviously, you don't have the altitude, but it is a band box. The pitching staff, though, I just love the pitching staff. I'm a huge fan of Luis Castillo. Big fan. Huge fan of Trevor Bauer. Probably the best follow on Twitter. It's – I also like Inglesias at the back end of that bullpen. There's a couple other guys that don't have their names in front of me. Um, but the Reds are a team, top five lineup in the National League, top five rotation – and you're giving me plus 250 just to win the division? That's value, folks. Moving on to the Braves. Um, I like them to – so if you can get to bet on – and this is the part Josh and Wolfline talked about it, I think, last Tuesday or two Tuesdays ago, about how you diversify your online sports book, okay? Each online sports book has their own um, agenda, and they have their own handle, and they have their own – ways to hedge their own bets so you'll see a lot of differences in numbers and this was one that definitely jumped out to me 
So you could get the Braves to win the National League Championship Series, pretty much be the National League representative in the World Series. On Bet Online, you get plus 800. However, on Bovada, it's only plus 525. Still okay numbers, but plus 800 compared to plus 525, that is a huge difference. So get that chance. Get to Bet Online, diversify that sports book, diversify it because the odds are going to be different especially throughout the year. You might get a situation where it's an extra money line or an extra 100 points on the money line in a different uh, place uh, between sports books. And you still may be, hey, Bovada's good on this one, but bet, bet online's good on this one. So you need difference. So like I said, the Braves, I really like them with a value bet to win the National League. I think they are the only team that can challenge the Dodgers. Obviously, we all remember what happened last year in game five of um, the division series when it was, I think, 12 nothing at the end of the first inning. It was really just one of the – just a bad situation. Um, but I really do like the Braves to win the National League. Like I said, I think this is a hungry team. I think the shortened season helps out the young pitching staff. And they have a very – I've said it before, a young but old team. So the young kids are old for their age, if that makes sense. I mean, Ronald Acuna, that's what? year two and a half, Ozzy Albies, year three. Uh, Johan Camargo seems like he's been in the league for like 12 years. I think he's only like 28. So we have a team that, yes, on paper is young, but in Major League Baseball circles is old. I mean, we look at Freddie Freeman, might be the best first baseman in baseball. He is an incredible leader on that team, and we haven't even started talking about that pitching staff that, yes, uh, did lose some pieces, but they get Cole Hamels. Josh Donaldson is gone, but Austin Riley has been somebody that the Braves have kind of been hoping for. I think Camargo at the third base position and Riley at the DH, I think that is huge for the Braves. I think with the DH, I think outside of the Reds, the Braves actually benefit the most in the National League from the DH, and that includes the Dodgers. I know the Dodgers have plenty of DH opportunities, but when the Braves can put Austin Riley in the DH spot and just tell him, look, let's focus on your swing this year. We'll deal with the fielding, you know, at a greater time, or – Maybe we, we find Austin Riley as a DH because I don't think a DH is going anywhere. Um, and I'm sure Austin Riley wants to play in the field, but it's time to do what's best for your team. And the Braves are a very, very good team. Another futures bet is on the Nationals. Their over-under season total win number is 34. We are like a submarine, folks. We are going under that. Not heavy under, but it is under. Washington, look, World Series hangover, tough schedule, Strasburg is no longer in a contract year, and I respect the hell out of Strasburg, but that always affects athletes. And your best hitter, okay, maybe Soto's pretty damn good too, but your best overall hitter is Anthony Rendon, and he is no longer there. It's just the situation. Max Scherzer is one year older, 34 wins in this climate. That's, that's a heavy number. I, I, that's a divisional winner, I believe, in the East, 34 and 26. I don't see this team winning the division. Therefore, I don't see this team hitting the 34 number mark. So pop that on there. Add that to our, excuse me, I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. Add that to our bet slip with under 34 for the Washington Nationals. That number is way too high. We keep moving on. And you've heard me talk about this. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm sorry, that Angel or the Anaheim Angels, as they should be called are plus 600 to win the West. And while, yes, I know that they are probably talent-wise second or third best team, the Astros definitely number one. The A's are right there. You can make a case either way. 
um, between those two teams. But at plus 600, you add in Anthony Rendon, who is the top uh, free agent pickup uh, uh, on the batting side. And without a doubt, maybe the best, um, definitely the best uh, manager available in this offseason, but might be the best manager in all of baseball. For my money, he is, especially in a 60-game season. He already has some kind of weird wrinkles, I think, that are going to take some teams off guard. He's already kind of talked about the prevalence of small ball. And last Wednesday, myself and Brandon Lupian talked about what Joe Madden ta- uh, was saying about the small ball effect. And when most people think of small ball, they think of bunting and stuff like that. I don't necessarily, I think you will see, I think Andrelton Simmons will throw down a bunt or two. Um, and maybe down towards the end, you'll see some guys throw down a bunt or two. But believe me, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, I don't care if it's the main bunting situation of the century, they're probably not going to put down a bunt. Mainly because they probably don't know how to bunt. And that's fine. I mean, these guys are home run hitters now. They don't give a shit about sacrifice bunts. But with small ball, I think that Joe Madden is talking about is the hit and run. And when Joe Madden has it, I think you can call it the weaponized hit and run. It is... If, if you can execute the hit and run, you pretty much dictate the defensive alignment. Obviously, if you don't know, obviously hit and run, that runner on first base is going, uh, is stealing no matter what. And that batter, no matter where, that ball could be on Mars. He has to just make sure you swing at it. Slow the catcher down. And ideally, you make contact. You go the other way and you hit it right where the second baseman or shortstop, whichever um, side of the bat, your uh, batting box you're hitting on the the away side. So if you're a left-handed hitter, the shortstop will cover second base because everybody expects you to pull the ball. So the uh, the away side is going to cover second base. So if you can go the other way, you have pretty much eighty percent of the left side of the infield to hit through. You are dictating where defenses stand especially in this time where everybody and their mother runs these crazy uh um in uh, outfield shifts and infield shifts i mean joey gallo has a four-man outfield and nobody on the left side literally nobody on the left side and he still can't put a bunt down anyways so i think the, the angels joe madden is already ahead of the curve on what needs to be done this year that is huge he's already probably the smartest guy in baseball when it comes to that I think he's just going to put that to use, and that's going to help the Angels at plus 600 to win the West. I believe that's good value. Um, it's, it's not likely, but it's good value. Also, Shohei Otani is going to be pitching this year. Last year, at the pretty much the second half of the year, he was cleared to uh, DH as he's, getting, he's coming off of Tommy John. Look, Shohei Otani's the real deal. I think a lot of people laughed when they said, oh, this guy's coming over from Japan. He pitches both ways or, or plays both ways. That won't last long. Well, he was pretty good. I don't know if he'll ever be a Cy Young Award winner or an MVP if he continues to do both. But if you're above average at both, you're going to make a lot of money in this game. And there are going to be suitors lined up out the door. And everybody's going to want to watch you. It's kind of the Babe Ruth effect. The last uh, future that I want to give you is another team to win a division. It's the American League Central, and it's the Chicago White Sox plus 300. It's a young team, but does have veteran presence. Uh, Dallas Keuchel. I look at Dallas Keuchel. This is a guy who last year pretty much had a 60-game season. He didn't sign until after the draft day um, because of the tender situation um, on free agents. 
So he was fresh last year. He's going to be even more fresh this year. He's also a, a veteran leader and somebody who's, who's going to be able to keep that young pitching staff under control. I look at Dylan, Dylan Cease. He's got to – he has to improve. He has to continue to develop. Also, Michael Kupchak. I don't know if he, we'll see as much of him this year, but if we do, I really uh, – I think he'll be in for a treat. I think he is one of the top prospects in baseball from what I've seen. I think they have a chance in a division that is, is wide open. I know the Twins are the favorites, but not by a lot. And let's move on to – now, I can't bet on this team because it is my team, but I've talked about the Dodgers. i talked about the, the Angels. Let's continue on the Southern California topic, and we talk about my team, the San Diego Padres. And the schedule dropped, and it has some positives. The first thing that jumped out to me was the last 14 days of the season, the Padres have three days off. That's huge. I mean, that's, I, I think there's only six days off in the entire season, and they get half of them in the last 14 games. Now, will this matter? Will the Padres be in it with 11 games to go? That's another story. But if they are, they have that advantage of having three days off in that 11-day span. Hopefully, they will be competitive heading into that. And it's great for us Padre fans early on. We're not going to have too many days where the Padres aren't playing. So that's nice. Another part of it, they only play the Astros – or um, excuse me. They're going to play – 10 games against the Dodgers. That's tough, but that was always going to be the case. And it's actually less than if they played a full season against the Dodgers. So it kind of works out. Another, on the American League side, they only play three games against the Astros in San Diego and only three games against the A's in Oakland. I think those are two of the three best teams in the American League West. They get six games against the Mariners, which are probably, which is probably the worst out of all of the Western teams in this, I guess, region or bubble, whatever you want to call it. And then obviously the Padres also have 10 games against the Giants, who just took a big loss with Buster Posey going down. They're already having to deal with Madison Bumgarner leaving. So the, the Padres have 16 games against the Mariners and the Giants. They have to get at least 10 wins. I would like to say 12. I would like to see them go 12-4 and four against those teams. That has to happen. If that doesn't happen... The Padres will not compete. I'm calling it right now. No 16 games are the most important for the Padres. Obviously, they go 16-0 and then struggle against everybody else. It won't matter. But I firmly believe they'll be good enough against everybody else. But in these teams that they're supposed to beat, this 16-game block, and it's not really a block, but these 16 games, they need to at least win 10 games, probably 11 or 12, but minimum of 10. Second place, or a wild card spot is probably um, the ceiling for this team. And even that, I think, is unlikely, especially when we talk about a wild card. A lot of people are picking the Padres in a short season to be a surprise, and they very well may be. But it goes back to what I've talked about, what teams are going to have an advantage from the very beginning. It's veteran teams with a veteran manager. 0 for 2 for the Padres. Eric Hosmer, okay, he's a nice veteran. He's a good leader. How many young players are looking up to Eric Hosmer where he can't even hit his own weight and he's making $20 million a year? That is not something you want to emulate. Let's be honest. Uh, Will Myers, same thing. Manny Machado, I think, over, I think eventually will get into a leader role. But right now, he's got to focus on hitting better than 260, 265. He had, a, he had a down year for him last year. A really good year for most players last year. But for him, it was a down year. I think for him, he's got to focus on being part of it. And I do really honestly believe Fernando Tatis Jr. will be 
a leader at some point, but it's not yet. He's he's great. I, I absolutely love El Nino. Um, but like I said, he's not a guy that's a leader at this point. And Jace Tingler, the manager, he's getting his feet wet. I mean, like I've talked about it. Most new managers need about 40 to 60 games to get their feet wet. Understand what it's like in the major leagues to hold that lineup card to know how to use a bullpen, to know how to platoon guys, stuff like that. Well, guess what? 40 to 50 games, we're done. It's over. If it takes you that long to figure it out, get ready to draft number one overall. Which, and oh, before I move off of that, if the Padres do hit their ceiling, like I said, I don't think there's any possible way the Padres can win the division unless the Dodgers just tank. I don't think that's going to happen. But if the Padres can get in second place and then they get in the wild card, remember that's a one game playoff in a one game playoff. Ask the pirates. The pirates were maybe one of the best teams in baseball, but continue to get relegated to the one game wild card and never had an ACE lost both of them Two full fledged aces. The Padres right now don't have an ACE. Look, I love Chris Paddock. Um, I, I, I think he's, I think he maybe uh, feels himself a little more than he should. I think he's, I like the cockiness. I like the attitude, but I mean, if you would have thought, or if you would have seen his mannerisms last year, you would have thought he won the Cy Young. He wasn't that amazing. Uh, he had a good year. He had a good first year, good rookie year. I'm not going to put it down, but it wasn't the Cy Young situation that a lot of people here in San Diego want you to think it was. And even right now, I don't think he's an ace. I don't think he'll ever be a full fledged ace. But if he can end up sitting behind Patino and Gore, that would be key. And that's the two guys I want to talk about as well. Luis Patino and Mackenzie Gore, the two maybe top pitching prospects in all of baseball. Both with the Padres. Both were expected to be a part of things in the 162-game season. Both are on the 60-man roster. Both, I assume we will see at some point. I've stated in previous podcasts, I think the Padres should te- treat this you – know, Treat this season as a, a wash. Let's get development going. Let's get, let's get as many at-bats for Taylor Trimmel as we can. Let's see what we got if Franchi Cadero can stay healthy. Let's see. I would much rather see Luis Patino and Mackenzie Gore start 10 games at bad to below average than Garrett Richards and Zach Davies being above average for 10 games each. Okay? I, with all due respect to Zach Davies and, and Garrett Richards, they're not going to be a part of a Padres playoff run anytime soon. Okay. Unless it obviously happens this year. They will be, if you do start those two guys over Patino and Gore, the Padres will win more games, but it's not, it doesn't matter. Like you said, the, the ceiling for the Padres is a one game playoff. And even that ceiling is probably losing it. This is not a championship caliber team. This isn't even a team that, Oh, you say, oh, well, if we get invited to the dance, who knows? We get into the playoffs, who knows? If they somehow get into a wild card game and win that wild card game, I mean, I'll enjoy it, but I am not expecting anything from that. So this year, if I was in charge of the Padres, it would be young kids left and right, we'll see what happens. Okay, if we go 20 and 40, whatever. It's all good. It's a 60-game season. I think whoever wins this is probably going to get half of the trophy anyway. Let's focus on development. And then another thing, if you're bad, next year's draft is going to be really good. You're going to top five pick. Add that on to the great draft the Padres had this year. On top of a farm system that is already at the top of the chain, 
I think it would behoove the Padres to focus on development. I don't want to say tank because I want them to try and win. Like I said, I would rather see 10 starts um, out of Gore and Patino each than Davies and Richards each. And that's just me. That's my thoughts about it. That's all I have for you today, folks. Thank you all so much for listening. I, it's really actually exciting. I just thought about it. Next Sunday will be the last off-season edition of this podcast. Two Sundays from now, we will have actual things to talk about. We will have actual games to recap. I can't tell you how um, the goosebumps I have right now. It's, it's so amazing. But as 2020 will tell you, it's 12 days, 11 days. That's a long way to go. But we are on the right track. And if you've been listening to pretty much since April, actually even before that, since late March, I broke down every single team, every single day, 30 teams, all with about at least 20 minutes of a breakdown. Head to ecosystemsbusinessconcierge.com. Check out all of those podcasts to get ready to make money watching sports and uh, specifically watching baseball when it does return one more reminder, like I said, if you want to follow me on Twitter, Wednesday through Sunday, I will be dropping my Del Mar picks on Twitter. It will be a little tough because uh, you're going to have to see my tweet and then hop onto the sports book real quick because they come out. You only have about seven or eight minutes. But if you don't want to do that, wait till Saturday and uh, watch the live stream with me. You'll have a little more time um, and it won't be as crazy on Twitter um, as the live stream would be when I'm just giving you my picks pretty much right away. That will be on Saturdays with Josh coming out of the bullpen. And once again, Tuesdays, we have Raider Jim and myself on the horse racing podcast. That also doesn't change any of our other schedule. Mondays, NBA. Tuesdays, double content with uh, Josh and the financial markets. And then Raider Jim and myself talking ponies. Wednesday is the top gambling stories of the week with myself and Lupian. Thursday will be the only day that you don't hear my wonderful voice. That will be uh, Matt Bird's day to talk about political corruption and corruption. He's based in the East Coast. He sees it. I mean, it's not an East Coast thing, but he, he sees it and he is a leader in his community. Somebody that's very, very knowledgeable. I've learned so much um, from Greg Bird or Bird. I think it's Greg Bird. I'm sorry. I should have known that. Last name Bird. Matt Bird. Matt Bird, sorry, for final answer. Friday will be Josh and myself talking Big 12 football. And then as I talked about, Saturday, live stream Del Mar. Sunday, we're going to talk baseball, do it all over again. And like I said, it will be the last off-season edition. Hopefully, we'll have some game lines. I do think we'll have some game lines by then. I said I couldn't find any today. But we will have something for you next week. Very, very exciting. And we're going to have stuff for you all week as we get ready for – after three months, four months of no sports, we are about to be overwhelmed in sports. You are going to wear out that remote control. You're going to wear out um, your service provider watching four or five different things all at once. So it's going to be a great time. And if you listen to this podcast, it's going to be a great opportunity to make a lot of money. Thanks again, everybody. Once again, my name is Brandon First, a.k.a. First Report, representing the ESBC Pet, oh, excuse me, ESBC Betting Podcast Network. Can't wait to talk to you all tomorrow when we talk NBA and next week when we talk baseball. Have a great day, everybody. Be safe, wash your hands, and don't hate.